Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, anything that's not spam, feel free to email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Honestly, it'd be really cool if you rated five stars and leave a review wherever you get the podcast. We're less than one week away from the start of Toronto Sketch Fest. The festival begins Wednesday, March 8th with their film festival. And then live shows, events, seminars, and discussions every day until March 19th. For all the details, check out torontosketchfest.com. Now you might be saying, hey Josh, you've talked to a bunch of this year's Sketchfest performers in the past month. Have you talked to any others? And I would say, well... You could listen to episode 51, which was live with Ladies and Gentlemen International, or episode 66 with Cam Wiley, although I think that episode might need a remaster. It was our the first time I recorded remotely over the internet, and I don't think I was very good at editing that one. Or you can talk, hear me talk to the ladies of Girlbrain, Kaylee in episode 115, Ellie, episode 122, or Allison in episode 137. Jennifer from Not Oasis in episode 123, Erica Gellert in episode 158, Rena from Joy Provision in episode 169, Emily Richardson in episode 170, Chelsea Larkin in 172, Mark from Best of Friends in episode 175, or from the Tita Collective, Alia in episode 176, or Mary Kreese in episode 179, Jack from Cheap Wine in episode 178, or Amanda Zeller in 181. I mean, you can just ignore whatever specific shows that we were promoting then because, you know, they've already happened. But get to know more great sketch comedians that are performing at this year's Toronto Sketch Fest. All of those episodes are available at MyFirstSketch.com and however you're listening to this. Because if you figured out how to listen to this episode, you can go back and get the rest. Today's guest, though, is Anesti Donellis, currently based out of Toronto, Ontario. Anesti is performing multiple times at Toronto Sketch Fest, starting with the opening night gala thursday march 9th at theater center starting at 7 p.m saturday march 11th at comedy bar at 7 p.m along with the nitro girls from new york city and then the shot live special at theater center tuesday march 14th at 7 p.m along with shohana Sharman and jillian bartolucci the shot live special will actually stream live so you can watch it from wherever you are just like i will be torontosketchfest.com for more information on those shows Anesti's first sketch is called Monkey See, Monkey Do. Anesti and I are both playing six-year-old siblings. He reads the role of the brother, Anesti, and he also does the mother at the beginning and the end of the sketch. I read the sister, Jessica, and I'll give you whatever visual information you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Two six-year-old siblings are sitting on the floor looking bored. Kids, dinner will be ready soon. Play safe. Okay, Mom. Okay, Mom. I'm bored. I'm bored Let's play something. Okay, let's play hopscotch. No, let's play house. Okay, you be Mom, I'll be Dad. Jessica and Anesti get into place to start playing house. Jessica is miming cooking and Anesti... Mimes entering the house. Honey, I'm home. You're late. I slaved all day to make dinner and now it's cold. Jessica throws the food on the floor, smashing the plates and creating a mess. 
Good. Now you can throw the food where it belongs, in the trash. Is that lipstick on your collar? Yes. Someone bumped into me at work. Jessica walks over to Anesti and smells them. You smell like women's perfume. Okay, I'm cheating on you. Jessica slaps Anesti. Don't you dare do that again, woman. You don't own me. I own you, and I can kill you if I'm bored. Let's play something else. The kids take a beat, thinking of what to play. Ooh, let's play job. Okay, I'll be mom. Jessica gets a chair and mimes being on the phone. So why don't you tell me what you're wearing? I'm wearing nothing now. Good. I'm here to make sure you have a good time. Are you going to come over? I'm almost there. Come over. I'm coming closer. Come. I'm coming. Come. I'm coming. Come. I came. Yay. Okay, talk to you tomorrow. Jessica hangs up the phone. Well, that was quick. Let's play. Want to play again? I can't play that game more than once. And as he lies down, Jessica remains on the chair. Okay, then. Let's play hide and seek. I'll be dead. No, I'll be dead. No fair. Why can't I be dead? Because I'm a boy. Okay, fine. Then you count. Fine. One, two, three, four, five. While Anesti is counting, Jessica mimes packing a suitcase, getting the money from the vault, and grabbing the children to run away from their home. Ten. Ready or not, here I come. Where are you? The money is gone. Where are the kids? Kids, dinner will be ready in ten minutes. I hope you aren't playing video games. You know how they send the wrong message. We're not, Mom. And Blackout. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. My name is Samantha Russell. I'm a sketch comedian, and I have a prop and costume hoarding problem. So I figured the best way to get it under control is to start a podcast. On Should I Keep This? I chat with other comedians about their experiences in comedy and our insane prop and costume collections. And on each episode, we both bring a beloved item to discuss whether it's a treasure or just trash. Sometimes it turns out no matter how much money or time we spent on a prop, the only thing we should be holding on to are the memories we've made along the way. So check out Should I Keep This? We have new episodes every two weeks available anywhere you get your podcasts. Where there's lightning, there's thunder. Where there's trouble, there's Donder. Meet Donder. I'm Donder. A.K.A. Jeff. Maybe we can work together someday. That would be a dream come true. Jeff wants to be a superhero. You got a pen? Uh, uh, yeah, in my fanny pack. But he's not very super. Help! He has one chance to prove himself. My name is Candace. I'm with Nondescript. That's the biggest super agency in the city. But will that be enough? What if I'm not very good at picking teammates? Here's the plan. I punch him. Then I punch him. I'll pull off his penis and punch him in the balls with it. When we put so much into becoming someone we never become, we forget one important thing. I've been chasing one thing for so long, I, I don't even know who I am without it. We never stop becoming. Listen to Tights on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google, and Stitcher. Hey, Nasty. Hello. Uh, so tell me about the sketch. Where did this idea come from? Yes, the sketch. Uh, I actually haven't even read it before I sent you. It's been so long. There were some lines I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is in here. <laughs> um, this sketch came from the Second City Conservatory. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it was one of the sketches that I wrote for the show. Uh, for those who don't know, it's just a year-long program where you learn how to write a sketch show. And, yeah, I don't know. I guess it just came to me. We were thinking about premises, and um, I just thought it would be funny if there was two kids copying their parents mm-hmm. and parents are worried about video games and stuff like that. Yeah, reading it, I you know, before we read, actually read it out loud, I just skimmed it. And I, you know, the I'm coming over part, I saw, but I didn't put two and two together. I I didn't, I must, I missed like the context of like, oh, now she's at work. So I knew that joke was coming, but it didn't hit me as hard as it did when we actually were reading it. Um, Right. uh, So was this performed? Like, did this actually get up on stage with that conservatory show? I know, surprisingly, surprisingly, the sketch made it in front of an audience. How did it go? It was it went really well. Yeah. It was 2013 though, so that's it's very dated. Um it's very dated. Uh but it went really well and um it was a nice short like 2 minute scene and mm-hmm. uh yeah, it was fun to do. It was like the first sketch I wrote that was like I think it's just structurally basic for a sketch yeah. and I think it the points that it needed to and it was just able to be one of those sketches that i pitched and just went onto the show which was nice it's almost like you know one of those um, quick and dirty sketches where that you know it, the stakes do rise a little bit like the joke 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 like but, but mm-hmm. it is very much in and out like you don't linger you don't and i like those kind of sketches where it's just like yeah let's get in let's get out let's let's just do it yeah it was a fun super quick one how did it go between you know the writing process within you know that the class structure versus getting on stage was it, were there many changes were there many like how did it read in the room it read it read okay it was like the final weeks oh yes it was the final weeks of, of putting the show together i think the show is going to happen like in a week or two and then i brought the sketch in we put it up on its feet um it went well in class and then there was not many there wasn't many changes hmm. my other sketches like we had to rewrite them and restructure them and get the jokes better and co i was co-writing the other ones too so that took a lot of time hmm. uh, but this one was just like i think my director was just like great it heightens a little bit it's in the show <laughs> it, 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 it meets the requirements that we have for sketch comedy so we're, we're good we're going yeah the base requirements the most basic what made you decide to you know join up the second city program like what made you start taking classes and eventually get to the conservatory portion because i imagine to get to the conservatory you have to go through the rest of the improv Mm -hmm. structure too so what prompted you to take classes i saw an ad online and it said take improv now and i'm like okay and then i took (laughs) targeted ad worked and I, I just took the class and um then I was kind of hooked improv was fun level a to e auditioned for con like three times I think a couple times oh wow 
and then I got in and uh, took that and it was, it was a fun time. Yeah. I had like no end goal. I'm just like, this is fun. It's a fun, like one, once a week thing. And I just kept, kept doing it, I guess. So it was just like a spare moment. Like, Hey, let's just do comedy for a little bit. Let's see how this goes. I wasn't even thinking of doing comedy. I'm just like, Oh, this is a fun weekly class. Um, Cause I missed drama class from high school and I'm like, I don't know what improv is, but okay, fine. Like, let's give it a try. I was about to ask, like, were you a performer growing up? Like, did you do like theater in high school or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, in high school there, I went to uh, an inner city school. So the drama program was like non-existent, Mm -hmm. but we did a couple of plays a year and then like shows where you can sing or do a thing or whatever. Uh, so I performed in some drama plays. Uh, and then after that, in college, I did a couple of musicals because I randomly found like this posting online. And then I found improv. Would you like have you considered yourself like a performer kid versus like a sports or I don't, like, a uh, Boy Scout kind of kid? Like was what were you always drawn to the performance hobbies? I love creativity. I was a very creative kid. My family's like very, my family's a musical family. So that's where I learned violin and stuff. But like growing up, I was more, I was in sports, but I was also like in music. Like I was in the strings class and everything like that. So I, yeah. So we'll get into the music part of it, but like, what were you into as a kid growing up? Like, what was your, like your early, earliest memories of your comedy fandom? Oh, my comedy stuff. Uh, what was it? Mad TV. Mm. Um, Mad TV growing up. I was a big Mad TV kid. I didn't even know what SNL was until I started conservatory. Because my family is... Yeah, my cousins were really into Mad TV. And I remember one time we were flipping the channels and I'm like, oh, what's Saturday Night Live? I was like 13. And they're like, don't worry about it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> So I would always just watch Mad TV. I wonder if that was a thing. I don't. I don't necessarily remember it being a thing for me and my friends. But like, I wonder if there was a part where Mad TV seemed to be like the younger, cooler show, and like SNL was for like the adults instead. I wonder if like Maybe? Even, like your friends had that like impression. Because that's interesting. Yeah, I think there was a there was like the golden age of Mad TV that lasted for a couple of years. I think back in like the 2000s, yeah. that might've been, I never thought of it that way, but maybe. Yeah, I mean, because mm. uh, for every person that brings up Mad TV, like it, you know, it strikes me that like, on one hand, Mad TV wins because it's on earlier. Like it has that half hour head start versus SNL. So mm. if you're a kid trying to stay up, like you can, you can probably get it to midnight and watch the whole show. Where me growing up watching SNL, I don't think I ever watched a full episode live as it happened, like until right, like later in high school. Because then it's like I have to go to bed now. Yeah. Um. But. So I ask everybody, and we'll we'll talk about. I ask everybody about SNL, but I want to talk about like that's the Mad TV side of it. So, who would have been like your favorite Mad TV cast member? Oh man, there's so many. Um, I loved. I forget their name. Krista Flanagan was super funny. Mm. It was super funny. Stephanie Weir 
with her werewolf sketch. <laughs> werewolf sketch. I have to write that down. Look at that. Yeah, it's so funny. It's basically uh, she goes to her bank. She's talking with her her the bank person at the bank, and <laughs> basically they're gonna chop her credit card up because she's spending too much. And then she's like, "You don't understand. When there's a full moon out, I turn into a werewolf and I spend money." And then she starts like transforming into a werewolf in the sketch and starts like destroying the office. And she's like, oh no, what happened? Was I a werewolf again? Damn. Uh, <laughs> I, so... definitely weird. Like I remember her more like, I think, what was the, the kid character Dot? Where she was like, her older sister was a very like overachiever and she was maybe not special needs, but like. Mm-hmm. more special than like in life like yeah like she was like like the the character was like the older sister was like you know really super smart and like like i think there was a sketch where she was already oh, a doctor and dot was like i have these gloves and like it was just this weird little character <laughs> um yeah yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's interesting that. to think that like the talent that came through man tv it might have taken them a little bit longer, but so many of them have really done really cool and sh- interesting stuff. Like, I mean, J- mm-hmm. Jordan Peele won an Oscar. Like, and that's like, I know. And I think if I actually, I think I read somewhere that like him winning an Oscar was quicker, like Mad TV to Oscar than any other person had ever won, like from SNL. And it wasn't even like right. like it was like just. Crazy and bananas. Has an SNL cast member won an Oscar yet? Um, I know uh, a writer has. Okay. I'd have to double check about cast members because Adam McKay won for, I want to say The Big Short a couple years ago. And more like musical oh, people have that. won things and stuff. So, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if any of the, the actors or performers. I used to know yeah. all stuff. I used to be super nerdy and dorky about it. Um, so I'll ask, like, if if you did get start getting into SNL and like, and maybe watching it more, do you have a favorite SNL cast member? Uh, Kristen Wiig. Mm. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, so funny. Her characters, her and Maya Rudolph. Yeah, just so funny, and Fred uh, Armisen. whenever they come in like i feel like there's a lot of people that come in fully ready to adapt like characters that they had done beforehand and put them into the show like i mean you mentioned uh fred armson like one of his first shows he had a sketch where he was fercito like the the cuban drummer like but and then I found that he had done he had done that character with on stand up for years, and I think he actually like did on like County Central on one of their like stand up shows. And I was like, it's so cool to see stuff that you've done before like adapt to SNL, and then seeing it before you did it. Like, like I, I loved it. Uh, yeah, it's cool to see go from there to there. Even when you see old like archival, I don't know, maybe Second City footage mm-hmm. um, from like Chicago come up, and you're like, oh, that's that character that you do. Yeah, like um, Chris Farley did Matt Foley, the live in the van down by the river thing that started mm-hmm. as a second city sketch that eventually he brought with him. So all right, yeah. let's talk about the music side then. So what kind of music were you into growing up? 
so many i well my family is like traditional greek folk music so that's what i learned growing up oh, cool but my cousin was like this gino with like the frosted tips so a lot of like house music <laughs> growing up and euro dance and i grew up in toronto so there was a lot of like so much different flavors of music um yeah i was like honestly into every when people say they're into everything it's usually a lie but i was actually into everything <laughs> it's like i remember that thing of being like i love everything but country you know that that was a big thing here with like mm -hmm. i guess my generation of like teenagers like yeah everything but country is awful and now like i'm in my 20s 20s and 30s i'm like i understand country i don't like a lot of it but i get mm -hmm. it I'm I, I'm on board. There's like some songs that are literally just about beers, trucks, and Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's maybe that's the non-relatable stuff for me, but <laughs> country's like, okay. Um what so you mentioned violin. Was that your first instrument? Mm -hmm, yeah. And then and then you go to like guitar. Like what's your full arsenal of what you can do? Uh so started on the violin. That's when I played because my grandfather's a violinist. So he would just, he taught me for 15 years. Oh, very cool. And then picked up the guitar in conservatory because I couldn't do a comedy song and play the violin. Um, and then learned piano a bit later on. And uh, now I do like digital music production. Okay. Yeah. I, that's one of the things I've always, I guess, regretful is not learning an instrument. I wish like I had done that as a kid because I feel like it would have been easier as a kid to learn guitar. You can, I, a lot of people pick it up later on. Yeah. I, my brother did. He like, he started, he, he picked it up when he was in, in his like twenties and I should have gone with him. Like I should have like followed in those footsteps of doing it. I think someone still has, like, I, th I even bought a guitar in college and I think I might've left mm -hmm. it there once. So I don't, I don't know where that guitar went, but but it's interesting that you didn't like pick up guitar until conservatory. So when you're in the Second City Conservatory, do you want to write musical comedy then? While you're like, is that like a thing that like hits you then, or no? I didn't know that's a thing you can do. I thought it was just like you make a comedy musical comedy sketch for a sketch show mm. to like break the energy up, and then it wasn't until I found out about Flight of the Concords, where I was okay. like, oh, this can be your whole act. That's cool. And um, and then people liked my song from Conservatory, so it asked me to do that on their show. So I would go do that song and leave and do that song and leave. And I'm like, I need more than one song. So right. I started writing a bit more material. Right. You, like, um, you can't be a sketch performer with one sketch. You can't be... <laughs> a musician with one song like you need to like at least give yourself 15 20 minutes yeah you need at, at least but yeah do you remember what that like what was that one that first song it was actually from the con show it's it was about taking the subway okay and it was slow walkers so uh, was... okay so what do you is there a focus when you you know after you had finished conservatory you've done that that first show what's your next step then? Like, do you decide to like peel off more towards the musical side or do you keep in the sketch comedy, like the sketch acting side of it? After conservatory, I I took the long form 
uh, classes at Second City to do okay. learn more about long film improv. Uh, but then I didn't really do much musical comedy. I stayed in the sketch world. So I I tried writing a full length review and I cast a few of my friends to be in it um, in 2014. And that was like my first time writing a full show. Uh, and then I joined a sketch group, another sketch group, and uh, just did the sketch thing for a while, for like a few years. What were, what were the sketch groups that you joined? I was in one called Laughter Bus with a couple of my con friends. Okay. And um, then I was in one called FOMO Sapiens with uh, some other friends who I met doing long form improv. And we even did Sketchfest a couple of years. And uh, yeah, and I think that was it. Yeah, just those two. Uh, so you're in these two sketch groups for, was there a difference in like, was there a difference material wise between the two teams for you? Like other than, I mean, cause you know, you, you, you said that the first team was more of your conservatory friends. And then the second one was more of the long form improv friends. Was there a different approach between the two for you? Oh, uh, I don't think I don't think so. I think the the conservatory group it was more it was three of us. We brought in a few sketches and we worked with the director. It was very much a conservatory process. Mm. Uh, and then with the long form one, that was a larger group, and we each brought sketches in and we tried stuff out on their feet and. We produced our own monthly shows and tried stuff out. So it was more of like a hands-on approach, just more of like testing stuff in front of audiences and whatnot. How old did you find that different, like uh, of doing it, you know, the more conservatory approach versus just seeing how this works for ourselves? Um, I did like the other one better because, yeah, so it was just, we had more freedom, I think. Mm. We had more freedom to... Maybe it's just because a lot of us started in improv and stuff like that. We we had more freedom to play around with stuff and uh, to switch stuff up on the fly. And and we just had a bit more wiggle room. Like we would make our, our sketch shows music themed. So like we had a disco sketch show and everything had to be like disco themed, disco adjacent. Oh, that's so Was yeah, there like a musical was... performance? part to it as well like as you think no, no, the no. shows or was it just let's set things around this genre okay mm -hmm. uh, yeah oh, that's an interesting way of doing it it's a fun approach what triggers the move to do more solo musical comedy for yourself um i had gotten into the fringe festival in toronto in like 2017 yeah. and I got in with my application and my friend's application who, oh, we were also in a sketch duo. And then I missed the deadline to withdraw from my application. So I had to pay for my spot. So that was the motivation to, to write a full show. Um, okay. So walk me through this. Cause I, I've heard, you know, cause I've, I've never really produced anything for a fringe festival in that way. So you mm -hmm. submit an idea for a show. They accept it as part of their programming, but you still have to like put up all the everything yourself. 
it's yeah, a, there's so, a point where there's there's a point of no return where you have to do it. It's going to be advertised in our material no matter what. So you probably should still do it. Yeah, basically. So in Canada, it's more of a lottery system. I think other, I think in the U, the UK, it's more curated. Whereas I've noticed in Canada, it's all lottery. So you put your name in, you you get pulled from the lottery. It's a very it's a lottery system, um, which is why you see a wide range of so many different types of theater shows. Mm. Uh, and then what you do is you pay the application fee, which is around seven hundred dollars, but it covers like two weeks rental of okay. like a theater space, part of their marketing. Um, it's it's such a good deal as opposed to like renting one of their theater okay. spaces. That, that's like, where I was confused. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then yeah. So there's like a deadline where you can pull out and get all your money back. There's one deadline that get you get fifty percent of your money back, mm. and then there's a deadline where if you pass this, you can withdraw, but we keep all the money, kind yeah. of thing. So, so you get yeah, to the point got, where like, oh, I didn't withdraw, so <laughs> let's do a show. Yeah, a friend hyped me up, and she was like, "Do your music," and I'm like, "Okay, yeah." And then it was like March, and I'm like, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I gotta do this now. Did you do music not in a comedy sense? Like, were you performing like, I, I get, I, I mentioned, I said it this way with another person. Were you performing like sincere music instead? No. no okay. No. So you weren't like necessarily like a musician outside of the comedy world, like as a performance thing. Like, you... Yeah, it's fair to say. Yeah, I wasn't a musician outside of it. Um like I would play music at home, but I wasn't like an active musician. Like you, you weren't going to like open mics doing Wonderwall, like trying no, no, no. to make a name for yourself for, for house parties. <laughs> um. All right, so you have this print show that you have to do because you've already paid for it. So, mm -hmm. what is your process of putting together this print show? I was learning as I went, and I it was literally got getting a director and then throwing a bunch of ideas on the wall and being like which ones are fun which ones can i do i have no theme i don't know how to put a solo show together and i just put a bunch of songs together with the help of a director and then i somehow made it to fringe and performed it all and um yeah it was a really cool learning experience for that um, how long is like the fringe run for you like how long would it have gone eight performances okay and who was the director who helped you steer this path yeah trisha black yeah. um awesome awesome person and awesome comedian was at the second city now is on like a bunch of cbc shows like just killing it got like a canadian screen nomination oh very so cool. funny yeah and so good at conception, helping you like, helping me put my vi vision together and giving me good advice in the process. Um, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like it, an awesome director. It's one of those things that like, I think I, I had to learn the hard way is it's always good to have an outside voice, even if you're doing a solo show, like 
having someone mm-hmm. like to either rein you in or steer you in a, in a different direction is so helpful. And I, and I, I wish I didn't have to learn that the hard way. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you need somebody to be like, that sucks. Take that. Yeah. So after doing this fringe run, do you like pivot and focus more on music versus just regular old sketch comedy? Yeah, I started getting more into music comedy and uh, started trying to do solo performances around town. Mm. Um, was still doing a lot of improv though. I was in a long form, long form troupe. Okay. And yeah, because Second City had like a graduate team, so you would be part of their like long form nights and do your show with your team and work with a coach and all that kind of stuff. With this um, long form team, was there a specific? I guess form would be the right word. Like, was there a specific form that you were doing or was there, this is going to sound bad, but was there a, a gimmick to your show? Gimmick, like with um, this team, like, or was it just whatever, long form? Like, like it was just give us a suggestion and we'll just go. Yeah, basically whatever we wanted. So we could okay. come up with a format and come up with, we, we work really hard at like, like, what do we do? What's our thing? So we tried a bunch of formats and a bunch of formats that came from, I think, Chicago. A mm-hmm. um, bunch of ones that I forgot them now, but yeah, a lot of cool things that people have done before. I was going to say, do you abandon sketch comedy? But that's 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 a hard way to say it. So it, it's more musical comedy versus sketch at this point. Like you're doing the musical acts, and then you know your long form team. Are you still pursuing like another sketch team or working with others that way? No, no. I think at this point, I got tired with working with people just because it was just so hard to, it was hard to get everybody to come together and schedule. And I mean, it makes sense. Everyone has lives, right? Like people have jobs, people have families, people live far away. And it just felt like it was, just got more and more challenging because like it's like we have a honeymoon period with sketch comedy where in the beginning it's like we're doing this forever and we're gonna like be a team but then like I feel like after those first few months it's like shit I have to do what I need to like live right um so I just I just was I just liked how I can just sit down by myself and write stuff and perform it whenever I wanted to and yeah, I love group work. Like I love group work so much, but it's just sometimes challenging. That's all. Yeah, one of the big hurdles for sketch comedy is always scheduling. Like getting a group of people on the same page on the same night for anything is so difficult. Like which is like I guess with cuz I've been joking recently that like you know, you pick comedy as a hobby instead of like a bowling league or a softball league where there's a very set time of like, hey, your game's going to be at this time every week. Sketch comedy doesn't have to do have that. Like you, it's up to us when we do it. It's up to us when we get together. I feel like mm-hmm. maybe there should be like that director, but like, no, no, this is when we're meeting. Like maybe that would be helpful for some people like me. I think so. <laughs> or maybe even just like, I find a common goal helps. Because like I remember looking back, I'm like, okay, we're meeting up, but like for what though? And then if it's like, oh, we have a sh- like a big show planned in like the summer, yeah. well now we have to write it. 
um yeah or something yeah I, i'm I i'm know. very much on board with uh deadlines being good like deadlines Oops. are helpful for me for sure so you're mm -hmm. one of the first people i've talked to in a while that's done uh edinburgh so i'm very edinburgh is one of those like dream vacations for me like i wanted maybe not perform but i i'll happily go and like watch as much as i can like that's like vacation bucket mm -hmm. list so tell me about your experience with edinburgh um yeah well based on your on your point it's totally that spot where you can go and just watch as many shows as you want there's something happening all the time um but my experience was it was very it was very it was a very good experience i was super nervous doing a show there the first time because i didn't know what i was doing like going to another country to perform that's scared the crap out of me and i was just coming off of montreal fringe which i had i guess i can say bombed at because oh, no. <laughs> yeah i was still super new to solo performing and i didn't have the confidence yet so to do it somewhere that i wasn't familiar with it was just it was tougher than I thought. Um, and then I go to Edinburgh and I'm like, well, nothing left to lose. And um, it was super inviting. Like I did 24 shows day after day, same time. And the people there just wanted to see stuff. There was no judgment, no like anything it's just people vacation there they go there to see shows you fly or somebody they're just like okay tell me about your show what is this about yeah. and you're like whoa you're listening <laughs> um it seems yeah, to me it like fun. in my head it seems like such a huge confidence move of like yeah let's go to the biggest fringe festival in the world where comedians from everywhere are descending upon this mm -hmm. city in scotland like it all just seems like such a huge like like maybe not hubris but like yeah let's just just let's just do it like i i can't imagine like having like the confidence to do it for myself that's what i'm saying like i'll, I'll I, like go and watch everything you might find that it's it's a very fun and welcoming thing to try like i did a thing called the free fringe which you're not you're not doing the main venue you're doing what's called the free fringe so okay. if you're a solo act if you do stand up it's that typical stand up setup small stage microphone seats it's decent and the cost is so much less so much less it's so affordable to do and um and i thought i'll give it a try I'm like, I'm not spending thousands upon thousands of dollars like some people do in the big theaters. Like, I'm not there yet. Um, so I gave it a try. And yeah, it was, it was, I was like, are people going to show up? And people did. And it was so fun. How many times have you done it so far? Uh, three. And this oh, wow. summer I'm going back. Wow. That's, it's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's definitely on my comedy vacation bucket list. I have to like mm -hmm. actually start hunkering down and, and planning it instead of just keep saying it. Mm -hmm. All right. So what's the process for you of recording, you know, like an album of, of your work? The process of that, um, it's just performing.
performing my my live my live show somewhere. I got I worked with this this guy named David McKinnon, if I remember correctly, and he did like this live sound for my um, for the setup for my live album, and then he I showed up and I performed and and then we just uh, looked through all the takes and cut some stuff up and put it together. It was pretty straightforward because the show was already done. So your live your albums are just live recordings of performances. Like you didn't go into a studio to read do them without an audience. No, no. The yeah. first one was my live show. And then I have another one up, but it was like me during the pandemic learning digital music and trying it out. Okay. Um so that was all like studio. Very loosely put studio. How was that experience of Oh, I have no, I mean, because I feel like I've been asking everyone about how their pandemic experience was. And I I really wish we didn't all have to go through this. Um, but like how the trauma. How was it for you to learn a new skill of doing like electronic music in what has to basically be described as a vacuum, like because there are no audiences to go and, and play things for? yeah it was it was interesting i started learning it just before the pandemic and then when the pandemic hit i was like well i guess this is what i'm gonna do now and i mean there's so many tutorials online where you don't really need to interact with people you can just be at your computer and just learn a new skill um i definitely had the time it was pandemic so I had the time to sit down and learn about it. And for that one, I made weekly musical comedy videos. So like I learned video editing and all that stuff. And I paired it up with a song. And I guess my audience was people on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So friends and like at the time, it was just friends and family watching my stuff. And uh yeah, I felt lucky they were supportive and I knew what worked, what didn't work. And then I just albumed it up. So now when you tour, how much of, how, you know, touring shows and doing show, how much is it of it is, you know, guitar based versus the the more synth electronic? Have you split that like 50-50 at this point? No, no. Live shows are still guitar, piano. Okay. And the violin. But for what I want my next show to be, I do want to incorporate more digital music, like how I can fuse that together, because I think it would be pretty cool. But it's just weird with the backing track, because I feel like what I do is more like the premises are sketched, but it's delivered like stand up where you can't just power through it. You have to like wait. Sometimes people laugh. Sometimes you stop what you're doing to talk to an audience member that reacted in a fun way so i feel like a backing track would be weird to just keep powering through it yeah so i have to find what that happy medium is i also feel like using a backing track and like and i don't know how to do this because i don't have a musical brain at all but like have a track for like a verse you know on loop and then to the chorus for the loop so that you do give yourself a little airway of like when you need mm-hmm. to i don't know be interesting to see how you how you evolve that so it's like 
You can take <laughs> it. It's fine. Yeah, go for <laughs> it. Go for it. So with this festival, you're performing a live shot live special. You're actually doing a live special at the festival this year. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. A live, like they're doing their first comedy special for Sketchfest. That's yeah. so exciting. And it's going to be streaming out. Like I think it's the only thing that's streaming worldwide and people everywhere can see it. So what can people expect from your current show? From the shot live show? Or, um, you know, any of the other things that you're doing, because you're doing, you know, an abbreviated thing as the opening night gala, like another show with Night yes. Girls, like, yeah. So mm-hmm. how how would you describe your current show for people, for the audience to come to? You're, flyer me um, in, you know, do the flyer in Edinburgh <laughs> situation. Well, it's just me being like, please come, you have to come. <laughs> Sanity, please. Um Yes, so I'm doing the opening night gala and uh, and and a couple of other shows. I would say the the opening night gala and the shot live show. It's going to be just like my best my best material over the last three years, okay. and it's just going to be a really fun time. Um, guitar, piano, a violin song that's just the most ridiculous song that I've ever made. Um, and then um, my Nitro Girl show on March 11th. It's going to be a lot of new stuff. And oh, cool. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. Theoretically, if people in Toronto, they'll see different shows for each thing you do. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, very nice. Very cool. I mean, you mentioned that you basically focus on the music portion of it. But I'm curious, like, when you are generating ideas and coming up with material, is there still a pull to write as a sketch versus as a song? Like, or is there certain ideas that you think would work better as sketches or premises for improv versus lyrics in, in a song? Oh, uh, no, I just, I just turn whatever I, I have into songs. There's no, okay. I don't do, like, I don't, there's no sketches. Here. It's more, yeah, like bantery, banter stuff and, comedic songs um but yeah i mean it depends like some songs i have a song called in my mind about how i fight people in my mind and that's it it does take a sketch comedy journey where like it just keeps heightening each time i go back into my mind and it follows like a narrative and then there's other ones called like i wonder where i have questions about the universe and it's just more set up punchline set up punchline is there any desire to like trace back into the sketch world? Like if you find a, if you find a group of people that like have a, a solid, easy schedule mm-hmm. put together, like, Hey, let's do a show in six months. Would you do it? I don't know. I think it depends on the people and yeah. it depends on the project. Yeah. Like I know I love solo work, so I definitely think that's going to be my main thing, but if there's like a fun project with a bunch of people I love, then I would totally do it. So you're saying you need some friends to be like, hey, let's do Toronto Fringe this next summer. Let's do a sketch show. Come on over. Let's hang out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's always <laughs> fun. <laughs> uh, so going through the conservatory program and, you know, at Second City, uh, I asked this about every to everyone. Uh, do you have any advice for a new sketch comedy writer or even like a musical comedy writer? Like, 
what's something that you've learned in your time doing this that you would pass on to the next generation? I would say, honestly, just do it. I don't mean to steal, steal an already existing slogan, but um, I guess just just start it. Like take on projects that you think are too big for you to take on because at the end of the day, you're just going to get through it. You're going to do it. And maybe you'll suck for a little while, but you'll get better eventually. Um, so just 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 do it and then you'll be you'll you'll have you'll you'll get better and better in in no time yeah i mean when you think about like with what you've said about like before you go into edinburgh having a bad experience and kind of bombing in montreal which is another great city known for its comedy and like performance too like i can't imagine like the all right let's try another city let's see like Let's see how this one goes. Right. Yeah, but I had already planned that, and I bought my ticket and everything. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, the idea that of already having a ticket and all that stuff planned is a good motivation of like, all right, mm -hmm. let's let's do it again. Let's see how this goes. I know I was so defeated though. I was like, what am I doing? Why am I going there? And then as the month went along, it was just the best experience. So, yeah, sometimes you like bomb hard when you're first starting off in, in, in places, but it just, an experience is not defining everything you do and you'll have more good moments and stuff like that. Did you, did you learn anything? Did you take anything from that like Montreal time? Yeah. I learned that I have to keep working on my stuff. And, um, cause it was the same show I did in my first Toronto fringe. And I was like, Oh, it was a fun time there. I guess I can just take it to Montreal. I did not work on it at all. That was my fault. It wasn't necessarily like, because I'm always curious about like how different cities react to different jokes. Mm. So you're not necessarily, because there's, there's a part of me that would think like to blame Montreal <laughs> for it not working, like blame the, the, you know, the audiences there that they just didn't connect with you for whatever reason. As much like, as I would love to, that seems like a fun excuse. Um, <laughs> their fault i was amazing you didn't <laughs> see it um i also it was like my my first year doing solo stuff so like i just didn't have the performance skills yet or the confidence to make something like that work because it was a bad venue it's very out of the way and the audiences i feel like it's true they didn't really connect with my stuff but i just didn't have that experience yet to to make a fun fun show out of it okay that's all it was yeah and like the idea i mean i suppose the difference between you know doing musical thing where it is just you and your instruments as opposed to needing you know the space to do a full scene versus like you do have a bit of the ability just to perform basically go anywhere like you can have like that almost mm -hmm. one man band kind of mentality of like i can i can chill here with a little bit of electricity and we'll be okay yeah yeah it's very freeing to just pick up and go wherever because <laughs> that's one of the things that i'm dealing with here in philadelphia i'm like oh is this bar gonna be okay like is it gonna have a space that like anyone can get into a, a different costume if they need to um and then right. i guess like finally uh 
because it, it almost sounded like you you started taking classes at second city almost like on a whim like hey let's just let's do comedy so mm-hmm. now 10 15 years later why comedy why has comedy consumed your you know adult life at this point i don't know targeted ads i'm gonna just say so. <laughs> um why does it consume my life i don't know i it's actually you know i actually found i found a a thing I wrote in grade three that was like, when I grow up, I want to be a comedian. And I was like, I didn't even know I had that goal. So I think it's something that I've always wanted to do. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was like, I, I have no memory of that at all. But I think in doing comedy for so long, I've learned that it's the thing I was looking for. Like, my brain always worked this way. I always found things comical every situation I could spin it in a comical way and yeah like it's just it just feels like it's very satisfying to be able to do this work and it just feels right and I think I just enjoy connecting with people and bringing like a fun experience to whatever it is whether it's like a video online or like a live show I think yeah and comedy is such a cool thing where you can, I don't know, it's like you can examine every part of being human. So you yeah. can connect with people, even the dark stuff, the sad stuff, but still make it funny. And we're still feeling the human feels. I don't know. It's it's a cool genre. I'm still floored the idea that like you found this thing from grade three saying that you wanted to be a comedian. You have no memory of it. Like that. That's so wild to me that like that, you know, you as i guess what eight eight years old knew that was a thing that you could Mm. be and it just wasn't a thing for you after a while like that's so that's so interesting i didn't know i didn't know how to get into it i didn't know i had no any information on like whatever industry we're in like i had nothing um I thought like you just go to a shopping mall and someone's like, hey, kid, let's put you in a movie. <laughs> right. Which yeah. uh, you hear stories like that. So that's a thing. Like, I wonder what, you know, little Anesti saw and to think that that was an outcome. Like, now I'm really curious. Time machine. I think let's get a time machine. Let's build one. And and just just for this. <laughs> Not to <laughs> prevent the pandemic. <laughs> Figure out what your eight-year-old brain was thinking because he wanted to be a comedian already. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I knew like that I liked to, to be a comedian, but I have no idea. Recollection, nothing. It's so wild. Yeah. Very cool, though. All right. Thanks, Anesti. Thank you. Yeah, this is a fun time. During our chat, Anestine mentioned his song Slow Walker from his conservatory show, so I've embedded it on the video page over at MyFirstSketch.com. Anesti is performing multiple times at Toronto Sketch Fest, starting with the opening night gala, Thursday, March 9th at Theatre Centre, starting at 7pm, Saturday, March 11th at Comedy Bar at 7pm, along with the Nitro Girls, coming from New York City, and then the Shot Live Special 
at Theater Center, Tuesday, March 14th at 7 p.m., along with Shohana Sharman and Jillian Bartolucci. And that shot live special will stream live all across the internet, so you can watch it live. TorontoSketchFest.com for all the information on all those shows. You can follow Anesti on Instagram and TikTok at Anesti Denalis and learn more at AnestiDenalis.com. And you can stream or download his albums wherever you stream or download your music. I'll mention that Sketchy Bader is heading back to Zoom on Friday, March 24th at our normal late night slot of 10 p.m. And I can announce that the next live Sketchy Bader will be at Tattooed Mom on May 7th. We'll talk more about that later. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Ion. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.